Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. Welcome to Gems for the Journey, Wisdom from the Word of God. Hey, God bless you, everybody. Welcome to Gems for the Journey, Wisdom from the Word of God. And we're your hosts, Matt and Stephanie Garrity. And we're founders of River of Heaven Ministries. And we have a threefold vision to rebuild and restore, equip and empower and revive and heal. Through these broadcasts, you're going to be touched, rebuilt and restored, equipped and empowered and revived and healed. And you're going to be functioning like never before as a kingdom man or a kingdom woman. And so God bless you today. If you want to support the podcast, visit us at www.riveroftheaven.org slash donate. Well, hallelujah. Praise the Lord, everybody. Welcome back to another exciting episode of Gems for the Journey, Wisdom from the Word of God. And um, so we've been really looking at some amazing uh, topics lately. I mean, we've been talking about the river of God. We're talking about the sevenfold spirit of God. You know, we've been talking about the elements of the sevenfold spirit of God, spirit of the Lord, wisdom, understanding, counsel, and might, knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. But then we began to look at this last podcast. We looked at, you know, the angelic visitations that, that people are getting. You know, is every encounter, is every angelic visitation really from the Lord? And it's important that we understand that we are to test every spirit. We are not just to, you know, to swallow every pill, so so to speak, everything that comes down the pike. Um, we're not. We're to test things. We're to examine things. We're to look for fruit. Um, we're in, it's many different indications in Scripture that this is what we as born again believers are supposed to do. And we talked about how important it is to understand in Revelation chapter nineteen verse ten that. A John who is on the island of Patmos, he's he's there exiled by the Roman government. Being a Christian at that time was absolutely treasonous. It was it was heinous. Uh, you know, Christians were hunted down at certain times uh, in history, uh, in the past, and uh, it was just a terrible terrible situation. And so John, history actually shows that they try to boil him alive in oil, and. Uh, for some reason, supernaturally, he didn't he didn't die. He wouldn't boil. It's amazing. It was a miracle. And so they banished him or they exiled him on the island of Patmos. And so he there receives what we know as the book of Revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ. But he's so captivated by what he sees, what the angel uh, is showing him, the messenger of God is showing him that he actually gets down and begins to worship the angel. And that's what we find in Revelation chapter 19, verse 10. The angel says, see that you don't do that. You don't bow down and worship me uh, for I am a fellow servant. But then he says this, I'm paraphrasing, but he says, worship God only for the testimony of Jesus Christ or the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. In other words, all the revelation you're getting, everything that that you are admiring, everything that you're captivated by, don't you dare get down and worship me. I'm just an angel. Don't you dare get down and worship anything. Don't look inwardly. Worship Jesus alone for the Lord is one. Amen. Behold the Lord our God. He is one. And that goes all the way back to 
what we call the Shema in the book of Deuteronomy. Hear, O Israel, hear that the Lord our God is one, and you shall worship the Lord and love Him with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And so, you know, I want to dig into a little bit of a different topic today. Uh, Maybe controversial for some folks, maybe not for others. Uh, One of the things that we talked about was also uh, we started to get into what does the church of the Lord Jesus Christ look like? He said, I will build my church. Okay, I will build my church in uh, Matthew chapter 16. And he says, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And then we talked about the different characteristics. We talked about the church or or the pillars of the church. The church is a family. The church is a spiritual establishment made up of living stones. The church is also militaristic. And the church finally is governmental. But in order for that church to stand, you know, things need to be whole in the church. And so what I want to talk about today is that I believe that there is actually 12 12 different marks that a holy, glorious apostolic church has. And we find that in Acts chapter 19. Paul is establishing and has strengthened in the churches in Ephesus. And that's where we find him in Acts chapter 19. And But what's interesting about that is that it says that while Paul was in Ephesus, it says that Apollos was in Corinth, okay? Apollos was in Corinth. And so what we see is we see apostolic teams working together, okay? So it says this in Acts chapter 19, starting in verse 1, it happened while Apollos was at Corinth, that is Greece, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Okay? I mean, that's, a, that's an issue. I don't even know who the Holy Spirit is. Uh-oh. Verse 3, And he said to them, Into what then were you baptized? So they said, Into John's baptism. Verse 4, And Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him, who would come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men were about twelve in all. Verse 8, And he went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. Verse 9, But when some were hardened, And did not believe, but spoke evil of the way before the multitude. He departed from them and withdrew the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. And this continued for two years, so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. Verse 11, now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick, And the disease left them, and evil spirits went out of them. Verse 13, Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, We exorcise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. And verse 14, Also there were sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest who did so also. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? How many know you don't want to hear that from an evil spirit? Who are you? 
Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. This became known to all the Jews and Greeks living or dwelling in Ephesus, and fear fell on all of them, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds. Verse 19, also many of those who had practiced magic brought the books uh, together and burned them in the sight of all, and they counted the value of them, and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. And verse 20, so the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed there. And then we'll go to verse 22, 21. When these things were accomplished, Paul purposed in the spirit when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia to go to Jerusalem saying, after I had been there, I must also see Rome. And finally, verse 22. So he sent into Macedonia two of those who ministered to him, Timothy and Erastus, but he himself stayed in Asia for a time. Again, that's Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 22. And again, how fitting it is, uh, didn't even really think about this, but here we are in the, in the month of February 2022. We've passed 2222. We're on our way to 22222. And we talked about, you know, obviously the you know, the scriptures that pop up there, uh, Isaiah 22, 22, talking about the key of David. But this, you know, Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 22, we find here what I call 12 marks of a glorious prevailing church or a holy, apostolic, glorious church. How many know that God is coming back, that Jesus is coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle? And so, how is what we're doing today um, what does that look like when compared to the Church of Acts? Because there's this indication that, the, you know, obviously the Church of Acts was on fire for the Lord. They were shaking the nations, all these different things. And we read here in Acts chapter 19, you know, bold preaching, teaching, training, healing and deliverance. And so, but do we, the question is this, do we really find all these marks or signs in the church today? Because remember, Jesus Christ is coming back for a holy, glorious, apostolic church. He's coming back for a prevailing church. He's coming back for the church of Acts being made ready for the bridegroom, okay? Again, there are many people who are martyred in the time of the church of Acts. And the Bible says that in the last days, it would be you know, like the previous times, like the things that you saw, the days of Lot, the days of Noah, what were happening back then? Uh, there was rampant uh, sin. There was a, you know, a love for unrighteousness and people were persecuted. The Bible says Noah was a preacher of righteousness and they reviled him and they persecuted him as he stood for righteousness and as he did, did what the Lord told him to do by building the ark. He was ridiculed for it. And so we find today, you know, holiness and righteousness is ridiculed. Uh, everyone wants to run after signs, wonders, and miracles, all these different things. Uh, but we need to understand that there are at least 12 marks of what the church is going to look like when Jesus returns. Because the bride is making herself ready. There is a remnant. There is a bride. Amen? And so let's look at them here. Again, Acts chapter 19, starting in verse 1. So the first mark of, of a holy, glorious, apostolic church or a prevailing church, is it, it happened when Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. 
okay? So we see Apollos there. He's an apostolic leader in Corinth. And obviously we know the Apostle Paul is an apostolic leader. And at this time he's in Ephesus establishing and strengthening the church. So the first mark that we see here of that holy, glorious apostolic church is apostolic teams working together. Apollos was in Corinth, but Paul was in Ephesus. So Apollos was working with Priscilla and Aquila in Greece, in Corinth, and Paul had just been there and then he came to Ephesus. But together, they're, tr- they're attempting to advance the kingdom and take the region for the Lord. And we'll see that as we go on here. Okay? It says, in finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Okay? And then he said to them, so what then were you baptized? So they said, in a John's baptism. And then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is Christ Jesus. And when they had heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So the second mark of the glory, the holy glorious apostolic church that Christ is returning for is people filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit. Okay, these people, they had received the baptism of repentance. They had understood they needed to repent and believe in Jesus Christ. They were baptized in water as an outward evidence of the inward working of the Spirit. But then they didn't really know too much about the Holy Spirit. So Paul says, okay, we'll fix this. He began to baptize them in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then watch this in verse 6. When Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Okay, so the third mark of a holy, glorious, apostolic church is speaking in tongues and prophesying. And this may seem very controversial. Many people believe this is just a language, um, a language that was known, a known language. The word in Greek is glossolalia. Uh, But there is indications that is just an unknown tongue, an unknown language. And so we know that the gift of tongues is tongues and interpretation of tongues to the edifying of the church, okay? And so, but these men, they never spoke in tongues before. They never prophesied because they'd never had received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They received the baptism unto repentance, but it says when Paul laid hands on them, uh, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, and then when Paul laid hands on them, they started to speak in tongues and prophesy. So again, is the church now speaking in tongues and prophesying? Or are they saying, well, that was just for those times, biblical times? I, I want to encourage you to understand that speaking in tongues and prophesying is to be part of the church that Christ is returning for. How do we know this? Because the Lord says that He's coming back for his bride. He's coming back with a church without spot or wrinkle. And so if the church, if he left the church in this condition, we would believe then that he's saying the church is at least going to be in this condition when I return, because that's the, that I, I sent the Holy Spirit and my body was th- there at that point, you know, even under heavy persecution. And since then, the church has grown line upon line, precept upon precept here and there a little. And again, we don't, you know, take things other that are outside of scripture that say, oh, this has to be part of the church now. No, but we should have matured and grown in an understanding of what were the marks of the church of Acts. And then I believe that is what the Lord is causing to people to rediscover. 
these marks. Again, the first mark, apostolic teams working together. It's not just one big uh, church in a region that's trying to gather all the people to itself. No, uh, it's teams of teams of ministries and churches and all these different individuals, uh, leaders working together to affect change in the entire region, uh, representative of their individual, you know, pastoring of their churches or, you know, whatever evangelistic outreaches or crusades working together to take the region. The second mark, filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then the third mark, speaking in tongues and prophesying. Okay, now let's go to verse eight. And he went into the synagogues and spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. So the fourth mark of the holy, glorious apostolic church where we could say the prevailing church is another good synonym for that, um, is bold preaching, bold preaching. You know, I'm not trying to knock anyone. I know people are different backgrounds, conservative, you know, uh, a little bit less conservative than there's more radical, but we all need to be bold preachers of the gospel. Boldness doesn't speak of necessarily uh, shouting and yelling. Bold preaching speaks of preaching with conviction, preaching and being unashamed of what the gospel says, uh, regardless of what pop culture says, regardless of what the, the, the thinking of the world is, we got to preach boldly the full truth of the word of God. Bold preaching. So any minister, any pastor, any uh, leader that's listening to me, I would encourage you, have the boldness ask the Lord for the boldness to to preach. Ask for that Holy Spirit boldness. Begin to yield more to the Holy Spirit so His boldness begins to come forth uh, out of your life. Don't be afraid of the people that you might lose out of your congregation if you preach uh, on some some difficult things to preach on. Don't be concerned that people are going to stop giving. We must preach the full counsel of the Word of God and let let things happen from there. We got to trust God for people in the church. We got to trust God for finances. The Lord builds his house. Amen. And so again, in verse nine, it says, but when some were hardened and did not believe, but spoke evil the way before the multitude, he departed from them and withdrew the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. In other words, you know, when Paul, uh, was not really welcomed too much because he was preaching so boldly that didn't stop him. He didn't just say, well, I guess that's the end of it, guys. Uh, We're done now. No, there was a school that was open to him, uh, really of someone who was a philosopher, uh, things that were, you know, there were philosophical type talks being given and things like that around this area. Remember, they were worshiping the Greek goddess Diana. Uh, They were not worshiping the Lord, many of them. And so these schools were, were for, you know, Stoic philosophy and and different types of thinking and all these different uh, types of uh, persuasions that were around at that time. But Paul, uh, this this open door God gives him in the school of Tyrannus, he begins teaching there. And so the fifth mark of the holy, glorious apostolic church that Christ is returning for is teaching and training ground or a teaching and training center. Uh, that many people, you know, are, are so convinced, okay, we just need to disciple people. That's great. Absolutely. Do we need discipleship? Yes. But we also need to teach and train and to raise up other leaders. Because then if we don't do that, the move just stays in one area. It doesn't go other places. It's, but when you teach and train people, then you can plant other churches, other individuals, send people out. 
In fact, that is a that is one of the main emphasis of a apostolic house. It's a house of sending. It's a house of equipping, training, and sending. The word the Greek word apostolos means sent one or messenger. Okay, so if you're doing everything locally in a local church, but you're not sending anyone out to do work other places or to establish works in other regions, then, you know, that's not really the church of Acts. That's not really the holy, glorious apostolic church that Christ is saying that he wants to return for. Okay, and so it says in verse 10, and this continued for two years. So he trained, he taught, he equipped for two years in the in the school of Tyrannus, so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. In other words, all the continent of Asia Minor this is talking about, or the known continent of Asia uh, during this time, heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. That's amazing. Now, if Paul would have stayed, you know, preaching and teaching with the people whose hearts were hardened that whole time, the whole continent likely would not have heard the gospel. But when he moved into the school of Tyrannus and he began to teach and train and equip others, this is how uh, the whole continent was reached. Hallelujah. And so verse 11, it said, now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. Uh, So the sixth mark of the Holy Glorious Apostolic Church is unusual miracles. And we'll see what these unusual miracles are here. Verse 12, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and diseases left them and evil spirits went out of them. Uh, And so handkerchiefs and aprons have no power. How many know that? But The Apostle Paul was moving in the power of the Holy Spirit. That means that anything that was attached to him, anything that was on him, anything that that anointing got on was an extension of him. And, you know, I'm praying that people bring back the handkerchief and the apron ministry again. Because this is absolutely scriptural stuff. And as Paul is teaching and training and equipping the saints... The, again, the sixth mark of the, the, the Holy Glorious Apostolic Church is there's unusual miracles. You know, there are miracles that happen, but unusual miracles are when handkerchiefs or aprons, people start grabbing a hold of those and they're healed. Like when they just grab the hem of the Lord's garment. Like in other words, there's no power in a piece of fabric, but it's the person who is carrying that fabric. It's the person who is wearing uh, that linen cloak uh, or ephod that Christ wore. Hallelujah. And so that's where the power is. They, they grab the hem of Jesus' garment. Here Paul was handing out handkerchiefs and aprons, but it's the anointing of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says in Isaiah 10, 27, it is the anointing that breaks the yoke. Okay? So also we see here, I throw in with this, the seventh mark of the Holy Glorious Apostolic Church is healing and deliverance. It's right here. Is there still a lot of healing and deliverance in most of the church today? I see a lot of healing and deliverance in certain circles and certain streams, and that's awesome. But it should be according to Scripture, because there are still demons that possess people. Unfortunately, there's still demonic presence. There's still the uh, kingdom of darkness is still here for right now until it's judged completely. And so, therefore, demons need to be driven out of people. And people, oftentimes, if, if there is something uh, health-wise attached to that, they'll be healed. If there's a spirit of infirmity, that demon will be broken off their life or driven out of their life, and then the healing will come. And even if it's not due to a demonic uh, issue that the, that somebody is ill, 
there is still healing power in the name of Jesus, regardless of how the person ended up in that situation. Amen? And so that is seven marks so far, but let's go on. It says in verse 13, again, then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits. So there was people who were trying to do the same thing. I saw what they, what Paul did. No problem. I'm going to do that too. And he says, we exercise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. And there's the key. Paul preaches. Paul's praying. Paul's laying hands. Okay. It says uh, in verse 14, also there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, who did so. In other words, they were copycats. They were copying it. Okay, I see a formula here for deliverance. This is going to happen. I'm going to do it just like Paul and no problem. But there was a problem. Verse 15, and the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus, I know and Paul, I know, but who are you? In other words, you can't fake it to make it. Okay. Verse 16, then the man who, in whom the evil spirit was, was leaped on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. Okay? And so we need to understand that the eighth mark of the Holy Glorious Apostolic Church is that there will be counterfeits, unfortunately. Remember during the time uh, of uh, Moses and Aaron going to Pharaoh, God said, for them to throw the staff down, the rod of God, it became a serpent. But then Pharaoh's magicians tried to counterfeit. They threw their rods down and they were counterfeiting it enough where their serpents came because of divination, of sorcery. But we also remember that in the book of Exodus, it says that the staff, the rod of God that had become the serpent swallowed up the counterfeits. And I believe that we're in a time where the true move of God is swallowing up all counterfeits. Hallelujah. And so, again, the eighth mark of the Holy Glorious Apostolic Church is that people are going to counterfeit, but yet the church will prevail over those counterfeits. People will try to mock the deliverance ministry. People will come and try to just imitate it and try to you know, see somebody uh, who legitimately is, is working under the anointing of the Holy Ghost and driving demons out of people, and they'll try to counterfeit it. But there is a cost. Somebody say a cost, because it says what? In 16, the man in whom the evil spirit was leapt on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them. So they fled out of that house naked and wounded. How many know that was one bad day? And it said, this became known to all Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus, and fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. So this brings us to the ninth mark of the Holy Glorious Apostolic Church, and that is the fear of the Lord and praising God, the high praises of God. So when things happen, when God demonstrates his power, or when people try to counterfeit, and then even even the demonic raises up against them and shows them to be a fraud, basically people said after that, wow, we better not mess with this stuff. We better really be serving God. And I believe that the fear of the Lord is one of those things right now that's needed more than ever before. People think we're not in the Old Testament anymore. Oh, so God, we're not going to be stoned. God's not going to strike us dead. All this other stuff. And I think that in large part, under the guise of grace, 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 we've forgotten about the fear of the Lord. Understanding that grace is not a license to sin. It's a license to resist sin. Hallelujah. God's grace absolutely covers sins. All right. Absolutely. God's grace leads us, his goodness and kindness leads us to repentance. We respond, we turn, believe by faith in Jesus Christ, and then the Bible says God's grace saves us. The grace starts the process, his grace finishes the process. However, once we are going through the process of sanctification, we are yielding and we're asking the Holy Spirit 
to help us uh, to be holy, to help us to be more like Christ, yielding. As we yield, we will wield. Hallelujah. And so the fear and praises of the Lord is another, uh, is, is another mark, the ninth mark. And so uh, also we've got number 10, confession of sin and repentance. Number 11, destruction of idols and articles of witchcraft. And finally, number 12, the prevailing of the word of God. Hallelujah. And so we'll talk more about this next time. But until next time, think about this. Think about these 12 marks, what the church is supposed to look like when Christ returns. And then, you know, ask yourself a question. Does the church really look like this right now? And if the church doesn't look like this, what can we do about it? Maybe it requires more yielding to the Spirit of God. Maybe it requires, you know, more getting back to sound biblical teaching or exploration of Acts chapter 19. And so God bless you today. I pray that this blessed you. Uh, Let me just pray for you. Father, I thank you for everyone who's listening. For those, oh God, that truly have an apostolic thrust, who truly have an apostolic uh, heart, oh God, to want to see people sent, to want to train up and equip and empower the body, uh, to, to send people, Lord God, to minister, Lord God, to teach and train and equip, oh God. And even for those who may not have understood that they had that heart, but I, I just see that some of you who are even listening to this, this podcast today, this broadcast today, are starting to understand and really something is starting to spring up in you for the apostolic understanding that, you know, when I leave this earth, I need to leave a legacy behind. I need to equip and power of the next generation. You know, where are my Timothys? Where are my Tituses and Andronicus uh, and, and Erastus? Where are those uh, young men or young ladies that are going to carry the torch after I go on to be with the Lord? Hallelujah. And so God bless you. Again, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious unto you. May he lift up his countenance upon you. And may the Lord give you his peace. May you realize more than ever before that you are a mighty man or woman of God and that you're walking in an apostolic calling for the church for such a time as this. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. In James 1.27, Scripture teaches us to care for the widows and the orphans. We take this seriously and are actively involved in supporting widows and others in need on a monthly basis. Together, we can do more. Additionally, our radio broadcasts and podcasts reach all nations, touching lives worldwide. Daily, new listeners hear the gospel, and through these broadcasts and podcasts, millions have an opportunity to repent, believe, and receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Listeners also learn about powerful Tabernacle of David principles through our teaching, encouraging all to worship the Father in spirit and in truth with great passion and purity. Your financial gift of any amount will help us to continue to support those in need and allow us to launch high-quality recorded radio broadcasts, podcasts, and teaching that are available for free to anyone who has internet access. With your prayers and financial support, we will continue to reach millions in our generation and multiplied millions in generations to come. Thank you for partnering with us.